2: Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you, John McKechney as in local Madison Simpsons trivia oh, champion.
3: Yeah. yeah, I haven't uh, we haven't had a chance to actually it's now the, the John McKechnie uh Simpsons trivia podcast and there's some football toward the end and We're uh, pivoting, yeah. But yeah, you guys are gonna listen to the first half, uh, or you know, I guess it's more likely like the first 30th and you're gonna like it uh, <laughs> Well, but john in won. football in the groin john one uh he's the simpsons king of the midwest probably after yeah. winning a trivia at some if you win in madison
2: here. i think that yeah that that pretty much qualifies for the entire midwest
3: yeah i don't know I, I guess this might not be this might be like the initial rounds like maybe you advance to the you know the more serious jeopardy audition after this like i, I feel like the the real was like the real killer simpson trivia folks were we're kind of just like watching from afar but now you're from on their, their bunkers ra- no you're on their radar and they've, they're they're preparing goons the surveillance methods things like that yeah the, the comic
2: book guy uh types out there are, are certainly you know they're on notice now
3: yeah but least. uh you won a, a gift card to the bar that you couldn't use the day that you won it which i thought was weird
2: I was I was okay with that I right. suppose I just
3: thought it was I thought it was kind of funny how they were like <laughs> as if they were like
2: no backsies.
3: <laughs> well I was thinking it was almost as if they were like look you need a cool off period. You can't just <laughs> have access to all this twenty five dollars worth of liquor when you're when you're going crazy off this high of of winning the trivia. I I needed to drive anyway, so I mean it was okay. But
2: they do have the best uh, like selection of Three Floyds in town, which is probably my favorite brewery. So oh nice, yeah, I, I was, don't know that I'm one. happy
3: about it, but yeah, that was that was an impressive victory. I was I wanted to go, but I had to do. uh, NFL free agency watch uh, crap. Well, why don't um, we just but it wasn't, it wasn't that, necessary. It wasn't necessary. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. We were going to do
2: that. Okay. And actually, just as I sat down at that trivia, the news broke. And what we'll start with this and just kind of filter on down through the big signings and the little signings uh, that have kind of made the beginning of this new league year cr- as crazier, crazier than we've seen in recent years. And that is the Odell Beckham trade. So, I mean, leading off what did you make of uh what do you make of Cleveland now as a contender what do you make of the fantasy fallout and then what do you make of the Giants uh haul in return
3: well the Giants got Jabril Peppers who is pretty much analogous to kind of like a late first round pick I think I know he turned a corner last year and if he maintains his progress he'll be one of the best safeties for a while but Odell Beckham is not the kind of player you can just find and it's I think pretty short-sighted and insane of the Giants and I think uh, it's pretty clearly a case where it's like you got a couple insulated people like Dave Gettleman and the ownership who basically don't know anything about anything but have been insulated in their like protected class so long that they don't talk to anybody but sycophants who tell them how smart they are and how great they are because turns out if you talk to them that way they promote you and give you treats whereas if treats. you tell them that uh i don't think you should do this uh, extension for eli manning and tr- i don't think you should trade odell beckham they'll go hmm i don't know if you're right for us and so they end <laughs> up with people around them who aren't quite as stupid as the decision makers actually are but they're absolutely willing to pretend to be stupid and, and validate all of their worst uh intuitions and it's ridiculous i mean the giants are going to be terrible uh, they're going to waste saquon barkley's career and uh you know Dave uh, Pat Shermer total chump he thinks he's gonna like I'm sure he's getting these assurances from Gettleman and the ownership that like yeah you're our guy don't worry about it but uh hey Pat when you guys lose 12 games this year do you think that it's gonna be Gettleman who volunteers to get fired or no. do you think he might try to keep his job I don't know I don't know I don't know how that's gonna go but uh, I bet Pat is the first one to get fired uh, maybe you could ask Nathaniel Hackett about that maybe you could ask John DiFilippo about that coaches We'll fire the guys underneath. Yeah, ask the Carolina uh, secondary coach and linebackers coach or whoever it was that Ron Rivera fired. Even though he's the defensive guy, he's the guy in charge. Like they will always use you as a scapegoat, you imbecile. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a great job, and I'm wrong. Who knows?
2: <laughs> uh, I think I think most of the football community probably agrees with you. I, I don't think anyone is really caping for the Giants at this point. They're they're sort of beyond defending it with, yeah with the moves that they've made it's and good
3: for odell though and uh, i guess we should be happy for him because i mean he he gets to go play with i think we have to call the the browns pretty easily like a top three roster in the league and i don't know particularly with tom brady approaching uh, 42 or whatever now i don't know what else the future can look like other than it's pretty much the Rams versus the Browns for a while? Uh, you know the, the Chiefs the too. Chiefs, yeah, yeah, those three teams are just their own deal right now, as far as I can see.
2: Yeah, the the uh, the Browns become pretty easily the favorite in the AFC uh, North, in my opinion, especially yeah. with like the attrition that the Steelers uh, undergone. Obviously, the Steelers didn't even make the playoffs last year. It, Still not sold at the Ravens. I mean, I think the Ravens have made some good
3: moves, and we'll we'll get into those a little bit later. They're in a transition phase, more like the one Cleveland was in before last year. For sure.
2: So, I mean, now, I mean, I feel like Baker Mayfield, with the – guys that he has around him namely with the addition of Odell he becomes a pretty decent like MVP candidate we'll have to see what the odds on that look like but I would put some money down on that honestly
3: yeah I went with a I did a rough projection yesterday and it, it's not scientific or anything but I thought it was pretty modest like I don't feel like I was aggressive with it and I feel like I can feel comfortable with a floor for Mayfield a projected floor of about 4,600 yards and 35 touchdowns with room for something more like 5,050 touchdowns. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you could do uh, Pat Mahomes stuff when you have Odell Beckham. Uh, they, they don't have Brashad Perriman. Who we'll talk about him probably a little bit later. But, sure. I mean, when you have Njoku stepping into his prime over the next couple of years, Chubb is going to be a 20-touchdown runner, I think, in this offense when when healthy. Uh, over 16 games, it's like he's running for 20 touchdowns. I, there's no way Mayfield, with all these weapons, Chubb being as good as he is, there's no chance that they just that they they stay away from the end zone very long in any particular game so sure. i think uh yeah mayfield's going to put up big numbers it's bad news for callaway for the short term because i think odell basically plugs into his role from last year sure. cuz Rashard higgins can play slot pretty well and i think he might be the heir to the jarvis landry role but landry has one more year of guaranteed money so they're going to they're going to keep him around this year i would guess but he he takes a hit because he was going I want to say in like the early fourth or something like that, maybe mid fourth in some best ball early best ball drafts I was doing. But I would think with Odell Beckham there, who by the way I'm projecting for probably like fourteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns as like floor type uh range, mm-hmm. uh I don't think Landry can have room for more than like seventy catches for maybe nine hundred yards. And he could catch like eight to ten touchdowns himself because mayfield going over 40 is i think more likely than mayfield staying under 30 if that makes any sense yeah it does so yeah it's gonna be explosive maybe maybe not everyone's gonna be consistent in it uh but i'm thinking explosives kind of like the 99 rams something like that dang all right so pretty high expectations for this offense it's not gonna be stopped
2: and then you know the the thing is their defense especially that really f- good. that front is so nasty that you know as a as an offense it's going against that the browns and going against the defense the pressure's on you if you don't score then you're going to fall behind really quickly kind of like it like it was last year playing against the Chiefs where it's like if you're not keeping up you're falling behind and you're falling behind quickly probably to an amount that you cannot make up
3: yeah you don't want to throw the ball against Cleveland like it. you, you want to keep Your the game script just eating alive right you want to keep the game script somehow and, and you basically can't but you want to keep the game script somehow such that you can run comfortably and not and you know only selectively take your shots downfield but more likely you're gonna need to take out your your deeper drops earlier in the game than you'd like to and miles garrett is of course the biggest problem but olivia Ver- getting better too yeah he's, he's gonna be a 20 sack player maybe not next year but maybe and it's it's like Ogan Joby's already there he's good uh, they've got uh, they've got some depth to sort through but they have so much resources with the draft and the cap to get to it i feel like they're going to be loaded with depth too they'll get um, more out of vernon than the giants ever did too yeah there's that and uh i'm forgetting actually some who did they they just signed a defensive tackle didn't they I feel like they got another oh, defensive shoot. tackle um there's because I was just thinking it's like Ogan Joby and wait I was just thinking about how oh I wouldn't want that guy playing next to Ogan Joby if I was going against them <laughs> uh but yeah I can't remember already what it was um in any case the Browns I I think are my like AFC favorite because the, the Sheldon Chiefs, Richardson oh god yeah Sheldon Richardson that's a huge yeah no wonder uh that's a huge addition he's he's got all pro talent for sure and then Jernard avery like as
2: a rotational piece is like nasty too yeah that
3: guy looks like he could be another james harrison or something like that i guess they think of him more of a pass rushing specialist right now but he's just super explosive and violent and he's one of those weird athletes who's like 511 250 and then super explosive he got, like the like the doomerville arms to him though though i don't think he does but he's he's i know he had a really good workout numbers coming out of memphis where he also had like 25 tackles for loss a year so he's just one of those guys now where you're like why did he fall this far why is why does one team have the luxury of playing him you know 400 snaps a year instead of 800 so yeah they have a lot of depth the the peppers loss is a loss but it's not gonna matter like it just won't matter when you have that pass rush nope so uh
2: yeah, newsflash, the Browns are gonna be really effing good for a really long time. So let's uh let's shift gears, uh, try to tackle some of the other biggest signings. So uh chief among them would be Le'Veon Bell. Uh his his contract ends up being uh, it sort of ended up being this thing where I've just gotten I've just gotten really exhausted on Twitter of the people that are like, huh. He sat out and he didn't get as much money as he thought he was going to. It's just like, who are you? And, like, why uh, are you doing this? And why are you laughing? Why are you cheering the ownership I love uh, these, in this
3: case? I don't understand These it. surf-brained oafs who <laughs> are just like, I... I just want someone to be my boss and tell me what to do. And I can't wait to just do what they tell them and grumble under my breath about how no fair, but I, I've, I have pride. So that's, you know, it's, I feel like it's not even only disgruntled
2: Steelers fans that are like mad that he sat out last year. It's like it, just kind of the general oh. consensus. It's like, Oh, he didn't get as
3: much money as you
2: said he was going to. Yeah. There's a lot
3: of psychology going on here, but it's like there's displaced misdirected class envy where like these people who, uh, They're workers in the real world, and and, uh, maybe they're even above middle class, but they resent their station in life. They're sick of knowing the full well that like all the people in charge of every aspect of their lives are people who were basically born into that station, and they know how uh, no matter how hard they work, there's some terrible scion of some rich family who who gets further in life for doing no work at all and they they internalize this but they don't sort it through they don't they don't realize the way that they actually think deep down uh and then they look at someone like Lavian and bell and sometimes they're, sometimes they're actually direct and like forthright enough to just say it is like i would do that job for less money than that and it's like great insight what what who cares what do you what do you point the do you think your heart rate is
2: above has been like above 100 beats per minute
3: but there's there's this thing where they look at bell and they totally miss the point which is like he it's not like he just went into this as as a uh business strategy he just had what some people call the fu money at which point if you have fu money you say In a F-U. certain thing <laughs> yeah that's what it's for and so he has enough money that he could go ha I just won't play then. And the Steelers went, "Uh, we bet you will. And one of those two was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's it's ridiculous to, to be like, oh, Levy. But it, it makes sense to be mad that he wasn't on your fantasy team last year if you picked him in the first round. That sucks. But be mad at the people who tried to shortchange him. Be mad at the NFL Players Union for having these ridiculous, non-guaranteed contracts yeah, in Steelers, every CBA. The
2: Steelers wanted to just churn, like, grind him out last year and then kick him to the curb. I right, think, like, yeah. Like, ideally, they would have given him another 400 touches and then been like, all right, see you later.
3: The NFLPA, the league players in general owe Lavian Bell a debt of gratitude for giving some muscle to to expressing the muscle of of labor to these owners in a way that almost no players are brave enough to do and you know whatever get get mad that he he didn't broadcast specifically his intentions or whatever but it, you're talk you're like you said you're caping for the owners when you do this you're caping for the people who always go to the press with these leaks to say like uh by the way uh, Lavian Bell was uh he was being a real jerk a bunch of the times and he's fat <laughs> and like how do you think those quotes come out like that's the ownership that's the gm those people they put that stuff out Lavian bell doesn't have the the means of, of doing it's asymmetric warfare basically bell had his leverage he had his money to sit on and he had he had an he had a he had a thought that he wanted to express and he expressed it that you don't have that thought that you're not brave enough to have that thought is not Lavian bell's fault nope like but anyway going to the jets will suck because oh, yeah? <laughs> it's okay. not good that you're in an adam Gase, uh dowell Loggins uh, offense uh gase of course is anti-tempo uh just a weird guy in general probably not going to do a very good job there but uh if his 80 if levin bell's adp is around that first second round turn he's still interesting to me because even if he's not particularly good he'll get so much usage and specifically as a pass catcher he, his usage is unique that he has a really high floor and he could reach a ceiling that only guys who who are similarly busy as pass catchers guys like you know, David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, so Saquon like, Barkley.
2: So who would you go with between a Le'Veon and a David Johnson you're picking towards the end of the first round?
3: I'm way higher on David Johnson than most people so far. He's like my six or seven overall player. So I have okay. David Johnson safely ahead of Bell, who's more like my probably like 10, 11, 12, something like that. And uh, it's just a weird class this year. Like we're not used to this much depth at running back, but we're even less used to the depth that, they ha- that there is at receiver. So... I'm hammering running back early and I'm taking, you know, ty hilton in the late third that's okay. kind of how i'm approaching things so i'm gonna probably end up with a decent number of bell shares even though i'm not really like rushing to get him okay makes sense i do think that he's going to be really busy as well I, I i'm
2: probably on the bell over Johnson side right now but that's you know I, I, got, I got some thinking to do i just th- i think the cardinals are, i mean it's not like the the jets are are the uh, poster child of a functional offense or a team with it with a great offensive line but boy the cardinals just have so
3: much uh work to do to, before I'm uh, convinced um but I'm just banking on like 100 cut he could run for like 500 yards this year for all I know but he's gonna get 1,200 carries. through the air then there we yeah. go beautiful um but you mentioned T.Y. Hilton uh Indianapolis just
2: uh added a complimentary uh piece for him you know maybe take some uh heat off of him in coverage and I think there is a very visceral re- reaction to this signing I'm talking about Devin Funches, of course where it's a one-year deal uh worth 10 million with the uh potential of going up to 13 million if he hits the the incentives within that contract I believe and a lot of people were like this is crazy I was one of those people convince me otherwise
3: well Funchess is a guy with he has his limitations he'll never he's not the most natural wide receiver like he's always been more toolsy than skilled but he's also been always young for his level of competition and it makes sense to be underdeveloped when that's the case and it kind of is a parallel I think to Dante Moncrief who he too is a guy who's more toolsy than skilled specifically as a receiver and he has his rough edges or whatever but these guys when they hit this part of their career when they you know 26 27 something like that when they're going into their fifth sixth year in the NFL guys like that usually even if by just you know chance being in the right place at the right time something like that they usually have a at least a couple good years like they eventually usually become the player everyone expected them to be just later than they wanted them to and and for like a more brief amount of time than they expected so Devin Funchess it feels like he's been around forever right it does he turns 25 in late May so this is a guy who showed up to the NFL. He, he must have been like 20 and a half when he got to the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's he's got four uneven years, but he's also one year removed from turning 111 targets into 840 yards, eight touchdowns at age 23, he dropped he was credited with at least seven drops last year and he had four or five in one game so that's just the yips something like that like he got rattled he needed a change of scenery he got it and now he's going to the team that turned eric ebron into a 13 touchdown player last
2: year this is this is a part of of your article and and yeah your general prognosis on the situation that that i will concede because i i'm not like I've pretty much soured on Devin Funches the player, especially right. compared to my. my it's initial the opportunity expectations. we can it's, sell ourselves on. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and you, and you bring up the the the, uh, the supporting cast. Other than T.Y. Hilton out wide, that they have. I mean, we're talking Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant, Zach Pascal. I mean, they were, they were just running through guys, you know, basically off the street last yeah, year. Yeah, like CFL compliment.
3: backup types. Ho- horrible,
2: yeah. horrible guys. So, I mean, Funches, I will certainly admit, is a lot better than those guys. And like you said, if they can turn an Ebron guy, a guy who didn't quite hit the level that people were expecting, the lines Detroit, cut him. Yeah. Like,
3: they didn't, or wait, maybe they didn't use the last year option, but same difference. Like, Funches is just walking from Carolina. Mm-hmm. so So,
2: i mean this is this is a point where where, like you were saying the change of scenery uh with the you know kind of upper echelon tools talent uh it's gonna get i mean he's quarterback wise is andrew luck like a ton a huge improvement over cam newton you know who's to say but no um, but it's it's indoors yeah so that's
3: nice and he's not going to see double teams like Ebron would sooner see probably more attention from defenses, although that I would expect that to change by mid season or so. But yeah, Funches is a guy who just when you're as big as he is and athletic as he is, and if you are good enough at age twenty three to put up eight hundred and forty yards and eight touchdowns, it's just at some point and at 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 least up to a certain price, there's just not much reason to overthink it. It's like you can just easily sell yourself the idea that even if he's not that good he could be a big fantasy profit, and uh particularly if luck throws 39 touchdowns again it's like Funches is a lock to crush his current ADP okay so
2: let, let's tidy this up then we were just talking about the Jets we
3: were just talking about Indianapolis
2: toss-up between Funches and the newly acquired Jameson Crowder uh in a PPR type format uh Jameson Crowder on the Jets
3: uh, Funchess by miles for me and it's admittedly closer in PPR because Crowder's a low depth of target guy and Funchess is a downfield sideline kind of target post route kind of target uh, but Crowder is I like the Crowder signing for yeah the yeah I, th- I think he's way better than Humphreys and probably Cole Beasley too but he's just had these injury problems the last two years uh, he's got to compete with Lavian Bell for a lot of targets they already have Quincy Inunua is one slot guy I don't know they might be moving him outside more so but I think both Inunua and Crowder will play a lot of slot just as both uh Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola did last year like the the Dolphins ran a lot of trip formation which is two slot guys 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 you're up, yeah, that, yeah. So it's like that's and that's something like McVeigh does a lot of that too. So that's how you end up. You look at the splits of the, the outside and the slot for the Rams receivers, and it's like, how the hell are they playing more? Everybody's playing more slot snaps than outside snaps, and that's basically how you do it. So he'll be on the field, but they're not going to run more than probably like 57, 58 plays a game. And it's like, Lavian Bell could get 25 touches from scrimmage in any given game. So I don't think there'll be that much to go around with Crowder okay. as much as I think he's good. And the part of part of my tempered enthusiasm with him is also that I I think a Noonwa and An, uh, Anderson I think everybody agrees is good by now, but I think Inunwa Noonwa is also good. He just had weird injury timing yeah, in I, his career. I went ahead and I think like right after week seventeen or something, I
2: was like uh Robbie Harrison's gonna be the guy that I'm happily overdrafting over everybody next year
3: and I'm a big time Sam Darnold believer and oh, yeah. it's just like I'm anxious about Loggins and and Gase it's it's not yeah. what I want to see at all understandable yeah yeah Funches is, is a guy who so, oh, sorry Funchess Funches a guy you can just I can just imagine him stumbling into eight touchdowns easily you know? okay
2: yeah so this the situation really does uh, set up extremely well uh, for him. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's jump over to Adam Humphreys, someone that you've been talking about on this podcast is like someone who's going to cash in probably more uh, than what he probably could be worth and you, how you could get someone with a similar talent level for a lot less. He goes ahead and inks a four year $36 million deal uh, with the Titans. What was your reaction there?
3: That was less money than I thought reports were, were predicting for him like it was i thought i read someplace that somebody was thinking like 11 12 million basically more like you know the kind of uh i'm, I'm trying to remember who uh, i guess i guess tyrell went for more than i expected he was like 14 million a year uh we'll talk about him eventually too but sure. humphreys was a lot of people's pick to be the highest paid free agent receiver which i i conceded like yeah he's gonna get 10 or 11 million or something but i was surprised by that i was like how how is he gonna make more money than tyrell williams uh adam humphreys as a senior at clemson was outproduced by Jermone hopper who i don't even remember who he is hardly <laughs> i it's like i remember the name but if someone was like who is he i was like i don't know maybe he was like six six or five i don't i don't one remember. of those yeah and he was also outproduced he was wildly outproduced by then true freshman uh arteva scott so he disappeared he's a non-prospect and humphreys couldn't get on the field let alone get as many targets as him Uh, So I don't think Humphreys is as good as people think he is. I think that he was very good for Tampa Bay because he has very good hands and he he can do like underneath routes pretty well. He's got a little bit of craftiness after the catch, but he was doing like 5.8, 5.9 yards after catch on average last year. And if you just lower that to four and uh, Cole Beasley was at three and a half last year for whatever that's worth. If you lower that yards after catch average to four, Humphreys yards per target drops from 7.8 to 6.5 and if it's that no one cares who he is so he'll he'll be I don't know maybe better than Tajay Sharp but I'm not taking that for a given Tajay Sharp was a really productive player at Massachusetts Um, so yeah I think that Humphreys was a product of a system where Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson and O.J. Howard had the defense worried about almost anything but Humphreys.
2: Yeah, 5.8 yards after the catch is 83rd percentile. So yeah, that, it's like, that's I'm not way be- ahead of where you would think a he guy He had like,
3: like 2 years at Clemson where he averaged 7 yards a catch or less. Okay. This isn't yeah, this is not this is not sustainable. <laughs> but but do you like the fit
2: within uh this Titans offense? Do you think that, you know, they needed a guy who's more of an ace out of
3: the slot? maybe but that was like Tajay Sharp's whole th- theory like he was supposed to be a good slot guy he's he's a lanky slot guy maybe that's an issue Humphreys is quicker shorter uh but I still think Taewon Taylor is good and if they're not including him in a plan uh, if they're not getting him outside snaps I think Tennessee's whole judgment is off and I basically don't want anything to do with uh anybody but Corey Davis and I guess if him in best ball and it's like the 18th round is still there sure i'll take him right but uh derrick henry, henry i still too. like and especially in best ball too but uh yeah if they don't if they don't realize that taewon taylor is their second best receiver then they're going to have a lot of other bad decisions that they make and in the meantime Humphrey's adp on the best ball 10 the past couple weeks was one twenty nine overall, whereas Devin Devon was around two hundred. Like okay. that's that's a that's a sieve on your roster if you had Humphreys at that price. Funches uh, now uh, dating back to uh,
2: drafts taking place. At as of Tuesday and beyond, um, so March twelfth. Um, Funch is going around. Pick one forty-three. Interesting other toss-up. Huh. Maybe one that maybe is a little bit closer for you. And all and Humphreys a little bit ahead of him. Uh, one thirty-seven. Um, but John Brown. Uh, going 143 so like just a little bit ahead of Funches in drafts and he's obviously going to a situation where quarterback isn't as polished as, as Andrew Luck as we know but, but I mean John Brown a huge deep threat Josh Allen likes to push the ball down the field where are you at with these two
3: well I have Funches safely ahead of Brown but I have Brown safely ahead of James and Crowder and in best ball especially in DFS tournaments I can imagine Brown having real utility the problem is in redraft you will have no idea when his good game nope. <laughs> will happen so uh, the other thing is Robert Foster I think is a guy who in hindsight we can rationalize as like a second or third round talent I mean if he had played at Alabama instead of being hurt for four years in a row he could have been like a first or second round pick I mean he ran that four four one uh he he quite plausibly could have played ahead of calvin ridley among other big name guys if he had had the health to do it so i'm inclined to believe the results from robert foster last year i think he's more likely to be another robbie anderson than like i don't know whoever the the last case of some guy who had four good games and disappeared was uh but between respecting foster and uh the just the nature like the the average depth of target for these two receivers might be like 17 18 yards something like that because the whole offense is based on just almost like four verts, NFL blitz, just run downfield, Allen will run around as long as he needs to for you receiver to get 60 yards away and then he chucks it at somebody and his accuracy from 40 to 70 yards is about as good as it is from like zero to 20 so it makes sense to build an offense this way like yeah you you maybe will have a lot of three and outs maybe you'll have some arm punts that you didn't really want to happen sure but there will be a lot of explosive moments and if you have a defense that gives you extra possessions through turnovers and sacks it really can work And it also lends itself to potentially like really high explosion scenarios where it's just like John Brown and uh Robert Foster are guys who could turn four targets into like 160 yards and two touchdowns. Right. You know, uh, you don't want to bet on four targets ever, as like a matter of you know general of that uh, going well. Yeah, but it's like he, there's that kind of explosiveness here. So that in best ball, where you don't need to make the decision ahead of time, or in DFS tournaments, where you already are like, yeah, I know there's a really high risk here. It's going to be a good fit, I think, and there will be high peaks as much as there will be probably a lot of like dead stretches too
2: yeah no i think that that's a pretty like accurate i'd say way of, of put, framing uh this bill's offense and what uh brown adds to it and then of course uh foster i think is you know butting into you know somebody that could be a pro bowl or maybe down the line uh here a, a little bit uh from now another receiver on the other kind of end of the spectrum as far as where his career is but still a productive player still a really good player in my opinion uh deshaun jackson so he moves back to philadelphia he's going to be uh presumably carson wentz's deep threat here uh what do you make of that signing i think he's a really good player
3: and i think he'll make the eagles better but for now they got him for nothing too by the way right for now i'm a little skeptical about whether he'll be uh, like harnessable in fantasy he's he's of course going to be a gpp guy just because he's so fast and he can do that thing where four targets is 150 yards and a two touchdowns but i think carson wentz is less suited to striking that particular f- uh, part of the field uh than josh allen is so I can imagine there being plays where it's just like Deshaun Jackson is getting open, but the ball is instead going to Ertz, just like over and over and over. But uh Nelson Aguilar is not going anywhere this year. Or at least I don't think he will be. Like if I think they would have to trade him. I'd, I doubt they would yeah, just I not. I think I saw him. he's probably staying put. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna be the slot guy. Maybe and you can't take it for granted that they're gonna run a three receiver base because they have Dallas Goddard there. So this could be a base two tight end offense and then Deshaun Jackson's snaps would be subject to a split with Aguilar on some basis in Mm -hmm. two wide situations so I can imagine him only playing like 600 700 snaps or something like that and then only getting like you know 60 70 targets and I'm not expecting him to do 10 yards a target with Wentz there so I think I think Jackson is really good, but I'm worried that he basically landed in the exact same scenario as he did with Tampa Bay, where they're just not suited to utilizing what he's so great at.
2: Yeah, I didn't love the uh, the fit. And we we talked about this before the, that trade even went through. Should have like, gone to the
3: Rams or something. Come it, on.
2: Yes, that would have been awesome. So, you know, we, we were talking about how we like Deshaun Jackson still, even at this stage of his career, but Wentz just doesn't hit the deep pass with, with the really same kind of – Uh, Ferocity that you would like to see. uh, He's an intermediate guy, more so. so. No, so, and he doesn't put, like, you know, it's kind of a a trope, but i mean alex smith i think pushed it pushed the ball uh, down the field further than he did on average yeah. last year and i know using alex smith in that type of context is sort of just like a rhetorical device but it goes to show you that that wentz wasn't really chucking it deep down the field which is obviously like the best part of deshaun's game
3: yeah i think wentz will be better this year now that he's got a more than a year back from the acl but he's he's more of an intermediate kind of guy than than a downfield one by nature and i i basically expect jackson to have kind of like a 750. 5,800 yard four, five, six touchdown kind of year but it'll be like maybe all those touchdowns occur in two or three games. Yeah no they, they could certainly uh, be clustered.
2: Uh, what other receiver signings uh, kind of caught your eye?
3: Well there's Tyrell Williams going to Oakland which I think is a slight upgrade just because his target volume could literally double. He was only doing 65 targets a year with the Chargers and uh, people are going to say like always oh, one-dimensional but he actually got a lot of slot snaps last year and and did more in different parts of the field he wasn't just a sideline and vertical guy uh, the problem is Derek Carr doesn't throw to anywhere in particular well and especially not deep where uh, Tyrell is not one-dimensional there but he is very uniquely good there and it would be nice to be able to extract that part of his skill set Which I just don't think Carr can so i think he might get like 120 targets this year he's not going to do 10 yards a target like he did with philip rivers every sure. single year it's going to be more like maybe 7.8 eight yards a target but the catch rate's going to have to be something like 56 in that case because cars are just not good enough Oof. i it mean matters. it just i mean he could get better right? to be fair it's like there is even eli manning like he had like people forget how, how long they how many chances they gave him he he was bad for just like five years before he became good and maybe car is another case there's something That's to be true. said for actual like continuity of development time like it is a thing uh sometimes bad quarterbacks just stop being bad eventually but i don't want to bet on it well
2: hopefully you know with, with the talent that they have put around him especially at receiver with obviously the addition of antonio brown as well uh he's running out of excuses at the very least
3: yeah definitely I'd, I'd say he's out of them he was out of them when amari cooper got traded and that happened that all happened afterward but uh, otherwise that receiver Brashad Perriman we mentioned he he was going to resign with the browns but upon their trade for Odell Beckham he headed to Tampa basically to take the Deshaun Jackson role and i think he might be pretty good at it because Humphreys isn't there Jackson isn't there Chris Godwin almost has to be their primary slot receiver okay. in three wide sets but he can play outside of course uh in any case Perriman on one side Evans on the other Godwin anywhere in between is a dangerous look for a defense and Perriman was very good for the Browns in his limited showing last year good yeah I mean it's one of those things where maybe this change of scenery just cured his yips like maybe maybe he really was just rattled in Baltimore and then just like going someplace new made him it it was like waking up from a nightmare or something and he just became himself again who knows Baltimore will do that to people yes yeah, and Joe Flacco will do that to a receiver but I think that uh yeah he's he's interesting he's I'm almost more interested in Paraman than I am Deshaun Jackson okay so that's uh, I don't know how I feel about either exactly but I, I just I'm not worried about the current personnel in Tampa uh getting in Paraman's way because I think it's going to be a three receiver offense yeah, th- uh, I mean, it should be yeah but uh otherwise um Dante Moncrief going to Pittsburgh it's it's kind of uh, like I compared Funches to him before same deal Moncrief didn't do much in Jacksonville last year, but he was pretty good on a per target basis and uh considering how terrible the quarterbacks were, I don't think you can hold him like accountable for you know how bad the offense was. He's a big fast guy who i mean James Washington did not have a good rookie year. I think it's a pretty decent chance that Moncrief is better right now and maybe even for the next two years, which is the length of the contract okay Washington, I still think will be good, but it's it's just hard for a second year guy. To compete with like a sixth year guy who's as big and fast as Moncrief. Moncrief has a lot more tools than James Washington does yep. and I expect Washington to still be drafted way ahead of him so I, I don't want to count out Washington but if Moncrief is like three rounds cheaper I'm picking him.
2: Okay that that makes sense and yeah there, there was enough left to be desired from, from what Washington put on tape last year to where that, that does uh, make some sense. Uh, one running back, yeah, yeah, I think we're
3: mostly to running backs. I feel like the, everybody else at receiver uh, is either not real or uh, hasn't signed yet.
2: Yes. So, Mark Ingram, Yeah. do think?
3: I mean, he's a good player, and I you would probably know a lot better than me, but I figure they basically are penciling him in for the Kenneth Dixon snaps, right? Because the, they would... They have to make the offense more like the the Kaepernick San Francisco offense and less like the Rich Rodriguez offense they were running last I mean, have, year. Yeah, Greg Roman is the guy and the architect mm-hmm. for both. So, but uh, I couldn't. I still would be surprised, I guess, if they got totally rid of that Gus Edwards role because Edwards is so good at just being the hammer running back. And maybe they only give him like six to eight carries a game instead of fifteen like they were doing last year. But I don't see him disappearing. No, he won't. A, d- she. He won't
2: disappear. But yeah, I think Ingram just he functions nicely when there when there's a. Comm- to him and the Ravens obviously don't have anyone uh near the skill set or the skill period of an Alvin Kamara but I think just the the sheer rush percentage that the Ravens are going to have and the the ball possession uh type of offense that they're going to be uh going with I think this does kind of bode well for Mark Ingram this year I think this is a good landing spot for
3: him I'm agnostic on like I can't remember what his price was before and like I think people were generally assuming he would resign with the Saints and I can't tell whether i think it's a upgrade or downgrade going to baltimore like i can imagine him having inc- like consistency issues just because He's going around pick 50 okay ahead of chris carson yeah i don't want either of them i don't think at that price like i'd I'd probably just rather hammer like i'd rather take running back running back running back in the first three rounds and then not take another one till like the ninth or something like that okay uh but yeah for the price i i would prefer i think ingram over carson there it's just uh, I don't know. I feel like he'll be harder to use in redraft because there will be games where I feel I feel like there will be games anyway where Edwards is good or Dixon is good. Um, but if not, then this is a team that should have yeah favorable uh, time possession. Lamar Jackson makes you play with wider splits as a defense, which could make Ingram uh, like a career best sort of inside runner this year and that alone could be worth quite a lot it's just like i guess i i still feel like dixon is good enough and edwards was good enough that i'm i'm a little worried about them staying involved because five million a year is not a big deal now like no. it's, if it, if it was 10 years ago i'd be like oh yeah mark ingram 25 carries a game but <laughs> 5 million right now just isn't a huge commitment and i I feel like they're they're gonna give him like the first crack at it but if he stumbles or if he gets hurt and dixon and edwards are doing well i can imagine it being more of a more even split than than we might wish for i think at the very least they're gonna give him the chance to, to take the job and run with it yeah i agree i definitely agree with that i definitely do and it's it's only like I, I, would, I would prefer that the guys behind him be just, like, way worse than him, and I'm not convinced they are. No,
2: no, both of those guys uh, looked good at, at different points last year. I'll
3: have to get some shares of Ingram, though, because, yeah, it's like if, if he does just stay healthy and Lamar Jackson just stays healthy, it's hard to imagine that team finishing, I don't know, like less than, like, third or fifth in rushing production this year oh god yeah i don't uh,
2: like if yeah if jackson stays healthy then yeah no that that offense is going to i'd be shocked if it finishes not first
3: right yeah i'm generally that's leaning way that geared. way too it's just like to to express how unlikely it would be for ingram to be like a true zero or anything it's just it yeah. might not be as consistent as we want is what my specific concern would okay, be okay that's that's fair so maybe like the, the best ball best ball is up. a lot easier yeah. but it, i mean i'm we'll see in redraft i i would I would be able to feel a lot worse about a running back two than the definite starter for the Ravens. Sure. Um, Let's see, where
2: else uh, were some running back signings that you liked? I think I remember you uh, talking about Tevin Coleman uh, yesterday as an interesting signing out in San Francisco.
3: Yeah, so I don't know where the market's going to head on those two, but Ingram and Coleman are interesting to me because I feel like the public is generally much higher on Ingram and lower on Coleman, but I might prefer Coleman straight up and I'm pretty sure the way the price is going I'll prefer him because I can imagine getting him almost like a full round later than Ingram but we'll see if I mean if Jarek McKinnon who I don't think has any guaranteed money left on his contract if they just
2: saw that he's probably like as good as
3: gone oh really okay Well,
2: well because there's like no guaranteed money left
3: right I I mean he's he's not guaranteed anything I would be surprised I guess if they just got rid of him especially because Brita got nicked up last year and Coleman is not the most durable running back himself they're going within the same round right
2: now by the way Coleman about 50 pick 58
3: okay so yeah I don't know where that's headed but I feel like people still think Jarek McKinnon is better than Coleman he could be but I don't think he is I think Coleman's probably better and it's it's almost like difficult to pin down because they just do different things as much as they're both speed backs with ostensible big play upside they do it very differently like Coleman's a guy who needs a crack He need he needs a straight line crack in the defense and if it is there there's almost no one you'd rather have in that scenario because he's, he's just a, out of a cannon when he gets that crease and he just doesn't get caught but McKinnon's much better at slashing and like kind of getting guys to to lose their footing and, and juke them out whereas Coleman's just kind of battering ram uh without much power like he's 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 just like batters straight through and sometimes if it's a weak door he just goes gone forever yeah
2: okay so i so what are you doing with it with him then I guess, uh,
3: I'll probably most, be going at him in best ball because he'll have also consistency issues if McKinnon and Breida are present and, and able to play but otherwise among running backs uh, I think uh, Latavius Murray going to New Orleans is a huge upgrade for him and he's someone who I think we need to think about in the seventh sort of round because wow. he's taking I mean he's taking the Ingram role it's like where yep. were we going to take Ingram so, probably fifth round and, and murray's probably a round or two worse so sixth seventh i figure yeah i mean the the upgrade as far as the offensive line and the overall play calling
2: is you know it's massive
3: mm-hmm. yeah so i i think the key could be both not very effective and still super valuable in fantasy just i mean kamara could get hurt too he, he might have been playing a little nicked up last I year think he was and yeah. if he does miss a game it's like murray's a top five running back projection that week
2: yeah absolutely uh looking elsewhere anyone else uh, catch your eye as far as the running backs
3: uh, not really. Mike Davis might be interesting if the Bears don't draft somebody, but uh tight end class is pretty weak. Jared Cook hasn't signed anywhere. I, th- I think we got pretty much all the all the fantasy relevant guys.
2: Yeah. So next week we'll kind of uh, catch any of the other signings that, that happen uh, from today onward to, you know, kind of wrap up. Uh, the free agency. And then in the coming weeks, we'll start uh, really ramping
3: things up again uh, for the draft. Any part thoughts otherwise? Uh, Yeah, we'll get back to the draft a bit next week. We actually did a three-round rookie post-combine mock that'll be on the site once the free agency craze uh, dies down a bit.
2: So there you have it. That was our free agency special. Come back next week for more draft talk and a little bit more free agency talk as well here on the to wire NFL podcast.